Thanks for tuning in. My name's Andre Servin, and you're listening to Off the Roost Podcast, brought to you by Off the Roost Custom Calls, turkey calls for the serious hunter. Join me and my co-host, Paul Murdahl, as we delve into the world of the wild turkey, covering everything from calling tips and tactics and hunting strategies to the latest equipment available, featuring interviews from special guests and custom call giveaways. We'll do our best to keep you up to date on this obsession we call turkey hunting. We appreciate you joining us. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome back. You're listening to episode six of Off the Roost Podcast. Paul, how you doing? I'm doing fabulous. And uh, I know you were up north cutting wood, right, for some calls. Uh, no, I I was I had to go back up and clean all the salt off the um, off the sawmill from from trailing it back up there, and yeah, I ended up dragging some I dragged some oak out and got some oak ready. And then I got one more walnut log to, to go mm-hmm. across the sawmill, and and that's all I got set up for now. Okay, it's making turkey calls now. I think turkey calls and podcasting, yeah. waiting, waiting for, wait, waiting for the Mississippi results to come back. Did you already put in for that? Yeah, that's. Um, I think the drawing ends here in like a week and a half or something. I thought it was. The 15th of January through the 15th of February, I think, yeah. but I can't, I'm not sure for sure on that date, but it, it started around the middle of February sometime, or middle of January. Yeah. I actually haven't put in for Iowa yet, dude. I, um, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be today or tomorrow, because it ends tomorrow for non-resident. Um, I haven't decided 100% if I'm doing it. I know we kind of, uh had a discussion on a previous episode about uh, flying my mother out to kind of help <laughs> right. out with the newborn and then uh, the toddler, but, oh, I don't know. I've been kind of mapping out. The good news is I've been mapping out my turkey season, and uh, I won't be missing a whole lot. I won't be able to do season A in Minnesota. I'm gonna have to. I'll be. I'll be a season B. So I got to put in for that. And uh, I wonder if Minnesota has already allowed people to put in for that. Let me take a look. Uh, so you already put in for Mississippi, though. Yep. What's the yep. cutoff for that? As far as people wise, um, when when you got to have your 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 application in by yes i i believe they give you a month to turn okay. in your applications but i can't i'd have to i'd have to get online and check up mm-hmm. but i think they got another week or so i think but okay I can, check, I can check that real quick yeah yeah i uh yeah i'm doing uh the same here and i think i'll be good to go with minnesota season b um, is there anything you're excited for this spring, Paul? 
This Aside spring, from just like the beauty of just turkey hunting, man. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to getting one of these calls that I'm that I've been making out in the woods. And when when I went into it last year with one of the calls and. It, and, you know, as long as we're talking about this, we might as well talk about the giveaway because one of the calls that I got here is going to be offered in the giveaway. Yeah. Let's and talk I, about that. It's the uh, Walnut Catalpa call. Okay. And I, I had made it. I started making it last last winter. And I was getting close to it. And I had my trip to Missouri or Mississippi. And I hadn't had it completely tuned up. And this is the call I was telling you where I was sitting down in that yeah. one little parking area and I was uh -huh. just sanding it down and hammering on it. Yep, I remember that. Yep. And the turkey gobbled on the private <laughs> property back, back yeah. behind, behind me when I was hammering on it. Yep. So, yeah, I had I got it tuned in fairly good where I could get some, you know, some decent Jake Yelps and some decent hen Yelps out of it. So I was, I ended up, ended up using it down there on a really windy day and I did get a turkey to respond to it. Nice. I'm thinking it was probably a Jake because it was, it came from a long ways away and it started kiki and it came a long ways, came, you know, a couple hundred yards kiki and. Yeah, it's a lone Jake or something. Right, because at the time I was I was doing hen yelps and Jake yelps at the same time into the wind and he might have thought he it was a Jake buddy, and he come running in, kiki yeah. and whatnot and then when he got like just out of sight and about. 70 yards he stopped and i could hear the jake the jake yelping him meow, For sure. meow, meow. and so okay cool so so i know you've made two calls yep and so you're going to be doing a a giveaway of one of these box calls and they're box calls not pot call pot calls yep. they are box calls they are, box they are calls. custom handmade box calls yep we got we got the walnut and catalpa mm-hmm and then we got the all walnut call. And, you know, I'll say this too from somebody that heard some of your first prototypes when you first broke into this. Yep. To the calls, because I know I've heard these calls. They sound great, man. They're great sounding calls. And whoever, which, whoever wins is going to have a very nice handmade one-off box call by yep. none other than... Paul. <laughs> yeah, whoever wins will have their choice between one or the other. So we're we're offering them both. We're offering them up, and they get to choose which one they want. Okay. So then next week, I think we'll we'll get into a little more. We'll we'll lay down the rules or the guidelines for the for the giveaway, and yeah, I'll probably play the calls a little bit for them and give them an idea what they what they sound like and whatnot. And, That'd be great. And you got, I believe you got some diaphragm mouth calls. You're going to be offering up too yeah yeah we're, we'll do that as well I'm, and i'm glad you kind of brought that up um because i know we're going to have the the call challenge the call battle with a cackle you know yep. and uh right now i've been really busy with work and just family life so i haven't been in the gobbler shop making calls like i normally would be um but i have started because you know you said we're gonna do this calling challenge, and I said, <laughs> right. "All right." Uh, so uh, I found uh, my I found myself with like forty five minutes of time, and I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go make some calls." So I got about I did get some new latex, and I've been experimenting 
with some of the the stacking and uh, the variation and so I have about maybe six sitting out right now that haven't been cut yet but uh, I have just been kind of making some and uh, so I will have uh, hopefully I should have a uh, a call ready to go for our challenge um, next did, next week we could do Ray, that I'm gonna I'm gonna let you slide this week yeah for yeah. sure and yeah. and then I, 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 I would I would think they would be me begging for the reprieve because I've heard <laughs> you call before and I guarantee you you're a much better caller than I am oh I don't know about I, that I you I you know what what has been happening is well, uh, I should say I should say this on the, on the lower end of the spectrum the softer more content stuff you're you're a lot better than I am well so that's what I was gonna say um, I know from last time I hunted with you you're your calling sequence the overall conversation part of it is better than me i'm i'm more of a a a reach out and make contact you're more of a conversing caller at least that's what it's like it's it 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 carried a lot more smoother um but But what what i got from of it you know, the difference between our calls is, and you had said, you know, you thought mine was a little more smoother and flowing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had made the comment that, you, you know, that yours is, you know, sharp, you know, maybe a little broken, but what I compared it to would be, say, the difference between a contented hen would be smooth, flowing. Yep, 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 yep. Mm-hmm. Whereas your style of calling would be you know more on the lines of maybe a little excited yeah and and that's a a good way of putting it because yeah i was gonna say that mine's a little bit more of uh yeah that's a good way of putting it yours is a content contented searching type yes contented searching Mine's a little more. You're you're 100 correct, man. It's it's a little bit more of. I'm throwing out a call, but I'm also hoping to maybe get a shot gobble if right. I if if I don't get a, a good back and forth response. At least maybe I can locate a tom right. or something like that. Right. But I what I have been doing, man, is for the past couple years, I've kind of just been working on the soft stuff. Um, and that's because I like to call, man. I just like calling. I think guys that make calls, we just like calling, man. Right. And uh, and I feel that I can do the soft stuff. Because I actually do a lot of blind calling. You know, I, if it's an area that I know the turkeys like linger around, and I, if I got no leads, I'll just go sit there for like an hour and just do some blind calling. And that way, so I'm not so bored yelping every 15, 20 minutes. You know, I could go ahead and yelp, do the the, the locating call, and then if nothing's going on, do some purrs and whines and little bubble clucks, you know, kind of keep yeah, the I, keep it going, you know. <laughs> I guarantee you when we get into the get, get into doing that, you're get I'm going to be struggling. <laughs> well, that's I, because I, I practice I'll, I'll get, that. I'll give you one of my purrs right now if I can if I can muscle yeah. one up.
That's all I got. Well, is I'm sure that that latex probably isn't separated, right? This one here. Yeah. Yeah, the Hardys. It's but, the four reeds, so it's probably not the best. No, well, I wouldn't even think about purring on it. <laughs> yeah, maybe fighting purrs, but yeah, not no, soft maybe. stuff. Got to loosen up those reeds. Yeah, I can't get soft with it. If I wanted to purr loud. No, I can't do that neither. Mm. That's okay. But, uh, uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> nope. I'll have to get that ghost gut from you because I know I can do a lot better on that ghost gut. Yeah, I will. Mm. I'll make some because I'm, yeah, I'm making some ghost cuts right now too. But, uh, yeah, uh, I will also do a call giveaway as well. I will do uh, some mouth calls and we'll probably do that after your box calls so we don't have two giveaways going on at the same time. Sure. Well, we'll figure all that out by next week and yep. come up with some details on that for everybody. Nice. And, uh, since we're on the topic of calls, um, we have on for this episode, we have a an awesome call maker. He makes uh, beautiful calls. Uh, we have on uh, Anthony Easy Easelt, and he is a wingbone maker and a cane call maker from uh, Pennsylvania. And... Uh, I purchased a uh, call from him maybe... Uh, it was about two seasons ago, and uh, it's a beautiful call. And if anybody's looking to get a uh, right. wing bone call from him, you can you can get one from him from the. Uh, he's on the old gobbler forum, so you'd have to hop on there and reach out to him. But we get, we get into all that in the, in the yeah. interview at the end. Gives yeah, you some contact for sure. And you know, I learned like I didn't know what a cane call was, you know, and then he kind of broke that down and. Which that was cool, and I know he ended up sending me a video of a what was it like a hundred year old cane call or something like that that was going for like fifty grand at Unicoi <laughs> or something, and that you know that was cool, right? Um, but uh, yeah, it 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 is a is it a great it's a great interview, and he does kind of break down a little tutorial on kind of how to go about using a wing bone call right. and. And I think some of that stuff applies to like trumpets and the cane call, any sort of call that's kind of operated in that fashion. He kind of does a good description at explaining how to use those calls, and he does a few little uh, a few little test runs as well right. for us. Some some examples, we, and we 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 had some issues with the test run the first time through, so we yeah. we, we had to do a little bit of correcting on that. Yes. So, so. what you guys will notice is we have we re-recorded some of these audio clips and we're inserting them into the original locations what ended up happening is in the original recording because of the the facing because the uh these types of calls they project the tone in what right. direction the, the directional yes the directional i guess the properties of the call itself mm-hmm. you know the omnidirectional where it doesn't vibrate all around, it shoots out in a, almost a straight line type of deal. Yes. 
And so due to that, we kind of had some bad audio in the original call. But uh, Paul went ahead and reached out to Easy, and uh, we kind of got that corrected, and we got some good audio. So right. And in the in the make a point of what we were talking about with the the, the trumpets and the the Wayne being so directional, when we first recorded them, he was sitting away from his not too far away from his phone, but he he had his trumpet or his wing bone, and he was blowing the call directly over the top of the phone. And if we still got some of the reactions in there, I, I talk about maybe hearing some lip smacking and stuff like that in it. I don't yeah. know if you if you were able to cut that or not. Yeah, I uh, I still got to get that figured out. <laughs> we could leave it in because we just let people know it was there. <laughs> yeah. But we could, we could hear that. And then when I got back on, Tony, because when we did the playback, we heard it and we was like, no, we can't. We can't put this out there. Tony's calls are going to sound way better this. So when I got back on with Tony, he was sitting in the same room, the same setup, but all he did was turn around in the chair and blew the call at the wall behind him. And then we got all the sound after it got away from the call and opened up a little bit and come back to the phone. And then you could hear all the rasp and everything that was in it. Yeah. You just didn't hear it where when he was before, you could just hear the lips backing because all the so- sound was shooting over the top of the phone yeah. and going past the phone, and the phone wasn't picking up the sound. It was picking up more of the mechanics mm-hmm. from, from his mouth than the sound coming from the call. Yeah, for sure. That's, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I'm glad you guys got that uh, that re-recorded audio because it's, you know, it's it's smooth and, and sounds better. and Right. Um, but it, and then we ended up getting some bonus material with that, too, you know, we didn't just get the audio files that we needed to, to plug in. I got him to play on his cane call a little bit and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And yeah, we just had a big discussion for you know he's such a great guy, easy to oh, talk yeah. to. We just we just kept talking and I kept recording, so That's, we got twenty twenty yeah. some minutes of bonus material for you that we're gonna let go here. Oh yeah, so yeah that uh, yeah two things I want to mention about that is yeah so we will be releasing the bonus episode. Um, with easy but the one thing i love about like easy and some of these uh some of these older uh turkey guys man is they just want to sit there and talk turkey and talk turkey and that is amazing and i love that and i if i had some more availability i would totally be there for it but um, unfortunately you know, I know with our previous guests, we had to cut it at three hours. You know, <laughs> I had well, stuff I had. Our do. most recent guest, yeah. So, um, and and then before we get into this, I'm gonna have to apologize to the listeners for me rustling a bunch of papers at the beginning of the at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> it took took yeah. me, oh, what would you say, about 15 seconds to realize what I was doing and. And stop all the racket. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you'll have to bear bear through a little bit of Tony's introduction of himself and listen to me rattling some papers. And you know, I can't recall. I know he's been he's been involved in the turkey game for a very long time, and he's from PA. And if anybody knows, man, PA's got some they got some heavy hitters out there, but right. Uh, uh, did he say? I can't recall. Was it like the seventies or something like that? He's been making calls. I think calls? he even maybe even brought up the sixties, but yeah. But maybe you know, we maybe can... for seventies for sure. I would say, but yeah. maybe even the sixties. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he knows a lot. He knows a lot. So this is going to be a great one. So I guess with all that said, we're going to go ahead and dive into it. So You bet. Here we go. If you wouldn't mind, uh, go ahead and kind of, if you can introduce yourself, you know, let us know, uh, you know, where you're from, all that, how long you've been making calls and, and all that. Okay. All right. So let me just start off from the beginning, huh? Start it off, buddy. Okay. All right. My name is Tony Ezol. Uh I'm from Kutztown, Pennsylvania. Grew up, I grew up in Greencastle, Pennsylvania. It's right in right on the Mason Dixon line. Um, I started making turkey calls probably about in the late 80s. It was you know, more of a novelty then as a, than, a, than, than actually a call making, just kind of a hobby, just something I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. I can get a little more into that later, but um, yeah, and, and it just, it was, it actually worked out really good for me because that's all it was, was kind of a novelty and I and gradually people started asking for me to make them calls and slowly but surely and I and also had started developing this this uh network of people saving wings for me because I always needed more wing bones, you know. And uh, yep. It just gradually increased to what it is today. And uh, you know, now it's I have to be careful or I can I can get buried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so uh, Tony, you see you're Got the the network out getting wing bones. Are from what I understand, hen wing bones are the best to use for wing bone calls. Is that true? Well, that's a very good question. And I, I'll be honest with you, my favorite are, are uh, jakes and gobblers. And I, and I I'll tell you why. A mature hen, I'll never turn that down. But you know, you, you only can get the hen bones from states that have fall seasons. Unless you find you know, some guys do pick them up along the road if they see a dead one, which that's nothing wrong with that. But uh, a mature hen's about the right size, but you get a lot of, of hen poults in the fall season, and they're very, very small, and they they make a very tinny sounding call, in my opinion. Now I'll I'll use the mouthpiece, the radius bones, and put that in a jake body and you know the rest of the bones being jake or gobbler and that's a that's a whole different story but uh i like i like my favorite if i could get just the bones that i wanted would be fall jakes that would be my my favorite all-round bones but hens i about as many of them as i get i'm lucky if half of them would make a decent call sweet so now i seen um you had posted online a picture of a call that that you had just recently made up, I think, and it looked like it had possibly a gobbler leg bone in it with the spur on it. Is that oh, what yeah. I was seeing? Yeah, I made that for uh, a guy on old gobbler. Yeah, he, he sent me that. I had never made I had never made one like that, and he wanted to know if I would give it a shot. I said, well, heck yeah, I I like trying new stuff, and I'd never done that before. So I looked at it, and I got got it all cut down and, and fitted up, and it was a little bit of a challenge. I was pretty sure I was going to be able to make a good call out of it. What, and he had also asked if I'd use a cane, a piece of cane for the mouthpiece, which I did. And I also, I sleeved that cane with a, a piece of brass tubing just so it wouldn't, so it'd be nice and bright, you know, have a nice snappy yelp to it. And boy, that really worked out. I mean, it's a good, very good combination. And he, I was tickled with it and he was tickled with it. 
So, no, so now when you sleeve the mouthpiece, would that is that sleeve on the inside or the outside then? Yeah, in, on the inside. On yeah, the inside then? Pain is very hard on the outside, but on the inside, it's kind of soft and puffy. And it, I mean, it's and it still makes a nice call, even, even just for so. But for the mouthpiece, I like that to be nice and crisp, you know. So I found I put a little three thirty second piece of brass tubing in there makes it makes a, a big difference and really wakes the call up. And he kind of requested that too because he had played one. I never made many calls like that, but I had made a few and just so happened this fellow happened to play one. He really liked it, so he requested that. So. So, so now, Tony, with with like you say, the mouthpiece of the cane that you use being softer and squishy, I would imagine putting that brass insert in there it probably helps with the moisture absorption too. I would imagine when you're oh, when you're oh, using yeah, the golf. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, definitely. And that you know that's why you see anybody the trumpet makers and they all use you know Elrin and bone and buffalo horn it's all hard stuff you know uh, medical grade plastic there's all kind of stuff they use but it's always very hard and crisp you know so it gives a really nice clear tone <clears throat> right and it makes sense too that you know the, the pieces closer to the mouth you're going to want to be as water resistant i guess as possible as yeah. compared to a to a wood yeah although i have ran some that guys may i never made a, an all cane uh cane yelper where I've seen guys use just just cane with nothing else on, and, and they're a little bit softer, call them, but they still make a good call. Right. Yeah. Everybody has their ways. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, I actually, I've I've got a question. So, I guess, would you mind explaining the difference between the trumpet and the wing bone? Well, I I would imagine. I don't know the whole history of all how that transpired. I've read some of it, but I would imagine guys started making trumpets. You know, the old Turpin, you know, Tom Turpin started off that because uh, that way they didn't have to fool worry about getting wing bones. They, I'm sure they yeah. played a lot of wings, and they, well, heck, I can make that four in a piece of wood. Yeah, you know, and then I started out just putting a hen bone in the end, and then they started turning it a mouthpiece. So they didn't have to rely on having turkey. And the turkeys are, plus, once they got what they wanted, they could duplicate that every time. Whereas right. every every wing bone call I make, I mean, it's slightly different, even right and wing from the same turkey. I mean, just the way they go together, you know, to get it exactly the same, is next thing to impossible. So I don't even try. I, I just, I've been doing it so long, I can just look at them and I know how everything has to fit together, the length to make them and, I know if it's going to run or not. Usually before I even put it together. So, so now, t Tony, when you're when you're fitting the bones together to make the wing wing bone call, are yep. you are you hollowing the bones out or anything, or is is that just all well, natural on the interior well, there? Yeah, well, that's a whole process right there. I mean, that people don't realize how much time it takes. And just, I, I got a pot right now. I got bones in there cooking, but the uh, the the mouthpiece bone, which is called the radius bone, and the middle bone, which is called the ulna, those both are just like any air bone. You cut the knuckles off, and there's marrow in there. You, you have to clean that out. You know, I use brushes and wires and uh, air compressor and everything else to get all that cleaned out. And then the, the big end, the, the trumpet end, is called the humerus bone, 
when you cut the knuckles off of that, it's like really honeycombed in there. There's, it's not solid, but there's there's little pieces of bone. It looks like a big spider web inside. And I scraped some of that out with my knife beforehand, and then I uh, I put them in, in the peroxide to whiten them, and that kind of makes those a little bit more brittle. And then I use a drum to haul that part out, get that nice and smooth. And then, and then, then comes the fitting. You know, they, they don't always fit together exactly how you want. You generally got to on the belt sander a little bit or a file or whatever to get them to fit just how you want them. But that that all just came over many many years. You know, I, when I started out, I didn't have a clue. You know, I just thought, well, this looks about right. You know what I mean? Oh, and plus another little tip: anybody's thinking about making a, a bone, keep all your left hand wing wings and your right hand wings together i mean all the bones because they all have a natural curve and they all curve the same way in other words if i use a left hand wing i want all those but i don't want to throw them in a pot and get them all mixed up and then try to mix and match yeah so so what if i if i'm getting it right what you're saying is keep keep all the left bones the the ulna the humerus and all of them together yeah. and keep yeah. all the right hand all the bones, yeah. not not just the yeah. single humerus bone that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, for the right. average guy, help just to do one at a time. That way, you don't mix them up. You won't have any chance of mixing them up. Sure, you'll figure. I'm curious uh, when it comes to the wing bone. Uh, I guess and and to go back a little bit in comparison to um, the trumpet, is there a difference in the tone when it comes to authenticity? Or does that kind of come down to the person using the call? Yeah. It, well, it comes down to the person using the call and how the call's made. Like all trumpets aren't created equal. You know, everybody yeah. has their their internals, however they came up with them. You know, and mm-hmm. they're all they're all a little different. All the good guys. And you could, I mean, I just I just come back from Unicoi and I had I come back with five trumpets, and they're all a little different, but every one of them run really good. Yeah. Sure. I'm a little longer, something you know. Who knows how guys come up with their dimensions, but they all seem to. All the good ones seem to work. It's it's like you playing your guitar, Andre. You yeah. Know? When you, when you play on it, you sound like a rock star. But if you were to give that same guitar to me, it probably wouldn't sound so well. Oh man. You know, I'm I'm glad you brought up Unicoi. Uh, how was that? Oh, that's always great. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. I mean, I I think I've been going there like seven years now. Yeah. And if I didn't have turkey calls to sell, I'd go down just to see all the old friends and and yeah. There's so much history and so much knowledge in that room. I mean, I'm I feel like a youngster compared to some of <laughs> you know. I mean, I'm six almost sixty four, and I've been doing this for close to forty years. And and there's guys that got way more knowledge and history than i do wow and that's pretty impressive yeah they're fun to talk to you know what i mean you learn a lot and everybody's there to answer questions just talk to the crowd and and it's just a good time right how how far of a drive is that for you tony and it it took us probably i mean we stop and everything but it's probably 10 and a half 11 hours total yeah Yeah. we have a carload of guys bunch of call makers you know we and we had that was ralph ralph snodgrass and mike lap and yeah jason and we we take turns driving and the drive down's almost you know that's pretty fun too as long as <laughs> right <we're- laughs> so, sounds sounds like there's there's 
plenty of people there to keep you entertained back and forth. Oh yeah. 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 And, you know, and we were, and I'm pretty blessed this part of the country and in particular Pennsylvania, uh, and right within an hour where I live, and there's a lot of legendary call makers. So, I mean, I, I have a lot of background to draw from. Right. Yeah. And they're all, all the earth type guys. You can ask them anything, you know, and they help out and we're all good friends. You know, uh, it's really interesting uh, w- with Pennsylvania, man. I'll tell you, man, it's from the guys that we have uh, coming on. It's Pennsylvania just keeps coming up. It's such a, a, a rich turkey hunting state. And it's interesting because, you know, a yeah. lot of the, uh, I feel like a lot of the turkey hunting uh, heritage is kind of down south. But the one that sticks out is you have Pennsylvania that they were hunting turkeys there. And you, you guys got some. Just it's a really good turkey state when it comes to kind of that 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 hunting culture and you know I know yeah. over here in Minnesota it's oh man I mean it's barely probably now starting to get kind of real popular but I know PA has always been a good one right P, PA would it would it kind of reminds me it would be like the um, like the Mississippi or the Alabama of the North I was thinking that yeah right. It's, well, it's, the, the, probably the good reason for that is in in a couple parts of the state. Now, back when I was young and just kind of thinking about turkey hunting, uh, we had turkeys. That that helps. I mean, I you know they, they may have been reintroduced out your way more recent, but we had turkeys, and we had them in the southern part of Pennsylvania. We had them, in, and then they trapped them out of there and took them up north, and they did real well in the northern tier. And then through trap and transfer, now they got them. Now, I will say our turkeys have been taking a hit here in the last half a decade or so. Some of the numbers are really dropping in place. Like around where I live, there's there's it's getting pretty poor. You gotta do a little driving to find birds. Yeah. But, uh, the, the biggest part of the reason that the, the turkey hunting heritage here is we did have turkeys and we had areas that you know, pretty darn good for turkeys. Yeah. Yeah, that, we... that, that helped me a lot when I started hunting. Because you got to hunt turkeys where there are turkeys. <laughs> if you're hunting where there is none, you're not going to learn much. No, yeah, we so, uh, we got the restocking in, uh, and I think it was the mid '70s here. So being being that you're what sixty four or something, you said sixty yeah, something. Yeah. So you know, seeing that you had turkeys in Pennsylvania since the beginning, you must have come out of the crib and just went right into turkey woods, then, huh? Well, you know, back when I was a kid, uh, when I first started, I guess 1972 was my first year of hunting. Um, turkey hunting still wasn't real popular where I grew up. And I don't know how, how popular it was then, but, you know, all over the state. But I really didn't hardly know anybody that turkey hunted. My dad didn't. He was a big, small game hunter and raised bird dogs and stuff like that. And that's that's how I started hunting. I mean, we went deer hunting, but that was just something to do. But uh, small game, man, that's that was where it was at, you know. And we had, like I said, we had really good bird dogs, and I, I couldn't I couldn't sleep the night before small game season. I was so excited. <laughs> but, but you know, that was something I, for some reason, I don't know if it was from reading, you know, and of course there was no internet or anything like that, you know, and it was just outdoor life and publications like that and i had an interest to hunt turkeys even at a young age 
and one guy I used to shoot trap. My dad was a very avid trap shooter and I used to go along and I shot two at a young age. And we had one guy we traveled with and he was a turkey hunter. And he used to talk about how many miles he put on his truck before the season and and he killed turkeys. He was he was a known turkey hunter. But them guys back then they kept their mouth shut. And I remember one day we were driving and he was talking about turkeys. I said, Joe, could you maybe take me turkey hunting one day? I tell you what, that guy changed the subject on a dime. He never <laughs> said another word ever. I even knew it. Even though I was a kid, I knew not to say nothing else about it. You know? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So did he, did he ever end up taking you turkey hunting? Oh, heck no. Uh, <laughs> he, he's still alive, and I still talk to him once in a while. About, you know, now he knows I know now. We can talk about it, but he still don't let on any place he hunts or anything like that. So, <laughs> Wow. Oh, they were tight-lipped about it back then. Yeah, yeah. Times have changed for sure. Yeah, there's there's still a little bit of that going on, you know, depending on who you're talking to. And then I think it's like it's one thing to kind of um, have a a broad discussion, you know, but it's another thing to you know because you know some of these places they have the acres. It's so much acreage, you know, just telling somebody that spot doesn't necessarily you know they still got to find the birds you know right and that that's what most i mean even me i'm guilty of that i I might give them yeah up on the side of the mountain there somewhere and (laughs) yeah county (laughs) right Mm -hmm. right but but i go ahead and take it for it i said hey I don't want to see your truck here. You'll never find this in a million years unless you go with me. I'll take you, but I don't want to see your truck parked here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, there was somebody who, uh, a friend who kind of gave me a, uh, gave me a location. And uh, it's one of those things where I'm going to run it by him. And I told him, I said, Hey, listen, before you tell me this spot, I just want you to know if it's good. I'm probably going to come back. So with that said, it's up to you if you right. want to share the information or not. And uh, right, I'm right. just going to run it by him if I'm going to, hey, you know, you going to that spot? Because I was thinking about going. And if he says I'm not going there this year or whatever, it's like, all right, I'll go. I'm going to give him, he's going to have that first dibs and respect, you know, on that when, you That's know, when right. a friend kind of right. shares a spot with you. Right. That's a good way to handle that. Yeah. All right. Well, yep. Yep. well you know, Andre, on my way to my hunting spots in Wisconsin, I drive through that zone four all the way to get to zone three. Yeah. Just just because you're generally hunting zone four, so. Well, dude, I mean, you're the one that even mentioned that spot to me, man. So, uh, I mean, if you want to go there, man, I no, totally. There's, there, there's plenty of places for me in zone three. Uh you know, uh, Tony, I was going to say, you, you know, you made me a, a wing bone call and it's a, a very beautiful call, by the way. Um, yes. I haven't figured out what, like I haven't gotten comfortable with the call, so I haven't actually used it yet. Um, oh. I wanted to comment on uh, the beautiful finish. So maybe we could talk about that later, but I was curious if maybe you can give us a little bit of a dem- demonstration on these wing bones. And a little bit of a call up so I can see it. A little bit of a a tutorial on uh, how how a guy uses a wing bone. 
Okay. Yeah. Matter of fact, that's, that's one of the neat things about being at Unicoi because there's a lot of people come by and go, well, you know, I have this or that kind of Yelper and I'm not real good on it. First thing I said, well, you don't have to be real good. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Just as long as you can make a soft Yelp. I mean, that's really the killer call on these type of calls anyhow. But, um, and, and truth be told, when I, when I started, I could I could yelp on them pretty good, but I was doing the old kissing method. You know, everybody says we well, just kiss the end of it, like. like I think that. that's well, what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. What what you you learn to do is you learn to draw the air slowly, just like some. There's a couple of videos on there. I think Ted Peters has one. He he describes it pretty good, like you're drinking milk through a straw. Okay. But you're you're sipping on it so lightly that you probably don't even get any liquid in your mouth. That's how soft, how you're, and that's the motion you use. You're drawing that in, kind of using your throat and your, you know, your muscles inside your mouth. Your lips don't even really move at all. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, uh, and when you finally see how easy and how little air it really takes to draw on these, you can't, you, when it hits you, you go, oh, this is what they're talking about. And everybody says less is more. Don't, so- don't try to. Hour. But if your lips are getting sore when you're practicing, you're trying way, way, way too hard. Yeah, that's that me. But yeah, that once you sense. kind of explain that that sipping motion versus the kissing motion, yeah. I think that's yeah. going to be what's going to help me out. And I'm curious. So, so just just go back a little bit. So okay. So when you when you say um, you're 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 sucking sucking um like a milk. Through the straw, and you say you say your your lips aren't moving, right? Your lips are stationary, but your lips are vibrating, right? That's what's making the sound. Well, not really. No, lips. It's it's all just drawn through the. It's really hard to describe. I even try to see what it feels like. Like if you would watch, if you would watch me call or or any other really good caller, unless you if you didn't hear the sound come out, you wouldn't even know they're the ones calling. If you looked at the face, they're not making, they're not dropping their jaw and making all kind of face. Their face doesn't move at all. It's all coming from inside. So there, so there's not any, you know, vibration coming from the lips. Then it's, it's just the air drawn yeah, through, through really, the call. It might be a little bit off my lips when I purr on these things, but uh, other than that, just the regular. And and you have to call, like I call both ways, clear and raspy. It, the rats are kind of, yeah, you kind of get a little bit off your lips, but your lips aren't moving. You're just pulling air over a surface. That's how you're getting your sound. Sure. It's a, it's kind of hard to describe. I mean, it, it, that's why it's nice to have a guy right there. And I'll even let a guy watch. I said, now watch me and then I'll watch them. I'll have them. I said, just, just take it easy. Cause you can all 90% of the guys are going to be smacking on it. Right. I said, no, nah, nah, not that there's anything wrong with that. You got to, like I said, you got to start somewhere, but, once you learn how, I'm telling you, I barely draw a breath when I make a sound. Even when I call loud, it, I'm not pulling a lot of air through that that call. Your your control you control your airs. I guess what I'm trying to say. I used to tell guys try to play the Star Spangled Banner on it. <laughs> now, however that turns out, it's how it turns out. But you learn to control your air. You you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So when you want to increase the volume. Because it makes sense to me for the, you know, the low air for some of the softer stuff or, you know, maybe a little bit of a, 
calling in a, a certain area where you think there's a bird in close proximity. But if so can a guy crank crank on one of these things trying to oh, locate a bird? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I do all the time. Yeah, and you're pulling a little bit more air, but you, it's still the same motion. You're still drawing it, <clears throat> excuse me, in a, in a you know controlled way. Yeah. It's just when you open your hands also on the on the on the big end are just about as important as your lips on the other because that call way down and not let much air at all matter of fact that's how i usually tell guys to start out like just close that down and don't let a lot of air through just enough that it make it breaks over and makes a call makes a sound yeah and then you can open that up you know if you sometimes i really stand or if i'm trying to locate a bird like you said uh Another thing I will point out while I'm talking about that, getting loud, uh, for some reason, there's something about air-operated calls, suction-type calls, wing bones and yelp, you know, Jordan yelpers and trumpets, that turkeys can hear that call further than any other call made, even a big, loud, long box, as loud as they sound, because they dissipate in a 360-degree circle, whereas... These are very directional. If you're pointing in the general direction of a turkey, and even calling very soft sometimes, I'm, I'm still, I use them all the time. And turkey, you'll hear a turkey so far away, barely gobbling. Thought, well, there's no way he heard me. Anyway, a little bit, you call again, just the same volume, and you know, a few, five seconds later, oh, you know, you hear him. <laughs> there's something about the way they did studies on it. I couldn't tell you which ones, but they've done studies on that where the, where the wavelength is different. And they're, they're very audible. The tur- turkeys hear them for a long way off. Right. So now, you get the the you know the, the procedures you just went through. You know, was mm-hmm. that specific to just the wing bone, or is that transferred to to the um, to the trumpets? You play, yep, you play them all the same. Play them all the same. Yep, you play them all the same. Uh, trumpets generally even take even less air because if you ever look look at the end the mouthpiece end of the trumpet they use a much even smaller hole than what i use small wing bones for my mouthpiece matter of fact i even i don't know like probably shouldn't give it away but most people that know me know that i use snow goose bones a lot for the mouthpiece because they're they're about the size of a young hen and i can get hundreds of them as opposed to <laughs> very few hen bones you know so right that's how kind of how i figured it out i, I liked I like the heavy bone of a gobbler for the main body, the middle and the end, big end, because they're very heavy. I mean, compared to a hen, it's night and day. So it has a lot of resonance. And that's uh, a good good friend of mine, the late Lee Bowles. We, we did a lot of this experiment together. And we came up with starting to put hen bones in there and the gobbler bones. And we thought, wow, you know, this is really something. And... One day he sent me, he goes, I'm going to send you some bones. I want you to try them. And they were lesser Canada geese. And they were a little better. They were they were about the size of between a mature hen and a young hen, turkey. And we thought, wow, we really got something here. Well, then he lived down in Lancaster County. And there was quite a few young fellows down there that were into pounding the living daylights out of snow geese. <laughs> He got them to start lopping some wings off when they were busting them out, and we started trying them. We thought, buddy, this is it. This is the this is the the bone for the mouthpiece, in about ninety percent of the time. So, sure. 
that helped a lot. That really wakes the call up. Cause yeah. you, you know, on a big golf, on a big golf, now there's ways to do things. There's little trade secrets, but there's ways to make a gobbler bone sound really good. I mean, the mouthpiece part of it, even though they're bigger, can make them sound really good. And I've built tons of them, but this little snow goose bone, boy, it, it, it really wakes them up. Like it, it makes a whole different call. That's great. Um, I'm curious, uh, is moisture, like, so let's say a guy goes out with a wing bone call. Maybe that's the only call he's going to use all day. Do you have to worry about moisture buildup uh, in the call, no. and does that affect the, the playability of it? No, not at all. Not at all. A lot of, matter of fact, a lot of guys, they're trying to get that rasp. They'll, they'll, they'll get a little slobber down in there in the mouthpiece, yeah, yeah. you know, to get that sure. gurgling. But yeah. No, no, it doesn't affect a bad way at all. No. Okay. Cool. I, yeah, I was curious about that. Yeah. So even the king, uh, you know, as long as you're using a bone mouthpiece or a sleeve mouthpiece, like I was talking about earlier, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't seem. I, I use them all day, and I never had any issue with it. So I would say no. Okay. That. So now, so now, getting in back to the technique of all playing the call that you were describing earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, if you, if you're going to purr on the call, is that going to be the same? Or are you doing something a little different? Are you are you going to roll your tongue or anything yeah. like that? Or yeah, that's kind of a hard, that's a harder call to learn, and I'm not extremely good on it, but I like to play around with it. You know, it's you, you kind of it's hard to even really describe how you do it. I actually saw a guy who was really good on it at Unicoi one year, and probably the probably the best trumpet player I've ever seen. And uh, I was listening to him do it, and I said, how do you, heck do you do that? And he goes, you just think in your mind what you want it to sound like, and your, and your body automatically just figures out how to. He said, that's the best way I know how to describe it. <laughs> and he's kind of right. That's kind of how I learned it. I mean, I kind of seen how he was doing it, and there's no secret to it. It's just like you just keep thinking what do you want it to sound like, and eventually so- it comes so you're you're warbling your airflow as it comes out, or are you gurgling, or yeah, you kind of. I'm kind of. Like I said it's hard to describe. I'm probably vibrating my lips a little bit when I purr. It's it's probably not something I do a whole lot when I'm hunting. Sure. Not that purr's not a good sound, but I'm it, at that point. You know, I'm generally just if I have to call, I'm soft, just soft clucks and maybe a very very soft yelp. You know, at that point, and I'm not too much worried about Pern at that point. I usually got the bead on his head somewhere, but or he's just about to get it. Put it that way. Okay. Right. Uh, how does a guy? Because I was curious when it comes to doing uh, cuts and and yelps. I imagine the motion is somewhat similar as the yelp, just kind of in the pattern of a cut, right? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, cut because. You, you, you cut it off basically it's a very staccato note yeah so you you're not you, you don't you want it to sound sharp you're fairly sharp mm-hmm. you know you're not buttering like well not, i always tell guys don't worry about putting you ain't gonna you're never gonna really as long as you're working that into your calling sequence no turkey's ever gonna get scared thinking you're, you're doing a putt you know, but yeah. you know what i mean you just fall a couple soft little yelps and and everything's cool Right. Instead of instead of just going pack, pack, pack and then leaving yeah, it right. sit out there. <laughs> I mean cutting cutting is a you know, that's a effective call and I do it a lot. I mean, 
wing bones and trumpets and all, they cut very, very well, you know, and they're, it's very audible and they sound real, you get that nice bubble cluck. Great. That's, it's really that's, hard to do it on a Yelper. From yeah. the, from the wing bone and the trumpet players, the good ones that I've heard yes. playing, they, they really excel in the soft, quiet stuff. Oh, the bubble yeah. clocks and the little whines yep. and stuff like that. The real soft, higher pitch stuff that they, they yep. seem, seem to do pretty well in. Yep, with these type of calls, probably any of them, any of the calls were regardless, but these type of calls, to me, to me, that's that's the turkey dinner call. It's that real soft couple clocks and that little very soft yelps. Just right. coo, coo. I call it the coo, 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 you know, coo, coo, coo. That, that's that's what just like just drives and I guess while I'm talking about it and I don't say this because I make them but and I didn't know this for a lot of years I made I'll just be honest with you I made wing bones and yelpers for well wing bones for a lot of years and like I said it, it started out it was a novelty I thought it was a cool thing I knew that there was a lot of history behind it you know they they found wing bones and Indian uh, village archaeological digs from way back thousands of years. So, you know, the, and then of course the early settlers adopted it. And it's the oldest call that they know of, other than like a piece of grass or a leaf between your fingers. Yeah. So, you know, I thought that was it was pretty cool. And uh, actually, uh, when I moved up to this area I'm at for work, I, I end up being in the local chapter of a guy named Scott Bayshore. Sure, if you know anything about box calls, you've heard that name before. I mean, he's been decorated so many times, it's ridiculous. And he's really, really a good, good uh, call maker and, and a pure turkey man. That's awesome. We, it, it ended up being the same chapter that he was vice president in, so I got active in it. And, and one day we had a meeting at his house <laughs> and in his little den. He had, well, way, way back then, he had all these old turkey calls and just anything to do with turkey hunting and call making he had. And I'm like a kid in a candy store there. Well, what a lot of people don't know about Scott, he's an old wing bone man. And he had, of course, he's pretty art, artistic also. And he had a wing bone sitting there and he had some drawings on it and stuff. Well, I thought that was about the coolest thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> I thought I'll be a son of a gun. And, and of course, what we're in your local chapters were always, seems like you're always working on, the next fundraising banquet and Scott would always donate a box call or two or a set or something like that for auction to make, to, you know, help raise money. And I thought, well, dang, going well, next time I kill a Turkey, I'm going to make, I'm going to try my hand making these wing bones and I'll donate one for our auction and see how it goes, you know? And that's how I started out making, just making them for the, the local chapter banquet and, that's the only time I made calls was just to donate to that. And then one day, one of the guys at the banquet says, Hey, do you ever make calls to sell? And I said, no, I, I don't, but I, I'll make you one. And that's kind of, that's kind of how, how I started very slow. And every year, a couple more guys would give me a call and say, Hey, I'd like to, like to try one of your wing bones. And it, it how really much, worked out. How, how much did, know? how much did you sell that first wing bone for? <laughs> I probably damn near gave them away. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't much, believe me. I, I, I promise you that. Right. I, I hear what you're saying. I'm I'm kind of getting into some, making some box calls right now, and everybody's looking. 
I got a couple of people asking me if they could buy one or whatever. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if I want to sell one, but I'll probably make you one. And I give you, give you one. They just hold on a little bit. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's a progression of, I don't care what kind of call you're making, you know, it's a progression. You, you don't start out knowing everything, you know, right. it, is, it is what it is. I, I didn't know anybody that made calls like this. Matter of fact, I didn't even know anybody you know, anything about trumpets or any of that stuff. And I made them for years. I never used them. I had no idea how effective they were. And I started car- I made a little two bone call. I used to carry it on and just mess around once in a while, you know. But man, I was a mouth call guy and a pot call guy and boy, I could kill every turkey I thought I wanted, you know, with that combination. But you know, it was later on I started listen to people talking about the effectiveness of, of air operated calls and my god they were right <laughs> there's something about these type of calls that turkeys really really like right. I, i've heard yeah. some people compare it to that you know it's the new call sound on on the market that turkeys aren't used to it and then well you know because everybody's running around with the box or the diaphragm or whatever and very few people are running around with with the um, wing bones and the trumpets there's probably a lot of truth to that because even nowadays when people know about them there's still not many people using them but um first year i went to unicor they had they had a wing bone and trumpet round table and i forget who all the guys were but one of them was mr billy bice and very famous trumpet maker and somebody was talking about how effective these type of calls are and they, and they said exactly what you said. Well, turkeys don't get to hear it, especially on public land, you know, and if you have one, you know, it's a different sound. And Mr. Billy Bice says, no, you're wrong. Of course, everybody, you know, everybody thought, well, what's he going to say now? You know, he said, it's not that they don't hear it very often. He goes, they hear it every day. <laughs> and it hit, right. Right. He's 100%. That's the sound they hear, especially that soft little I was telling you that soft little goop, goop, goop. If you ever hear turkeys come by close enough that you can hear them, that's what you hear them doing. Just boop, boop, boop. Yeah. And they hit. I, I, because uh, not only gobblers, but hens get tore up over this. I mean, sometimes you can't keep the hens off of you. You know, you'll, you'll watch them out in the field and you might be running a nice slate call, nice and soft, and you cut a little bit. And they might look once in a while, pay no, and break that wing bone or that that little trumpet out and just give them that soft little, every head in the field comes up and boy, next thing you know, here they come. And sometimes you fire them up, sometimes not, but they want to see what that, where's that hen at? Right. It happens. It happens. not a magic wand, but it happens enough that you notice it right away. You go, my God, there is something to this. You know, <laughs> so, uh, I was wondering, uh, would you happen to have a wing bone on you? Maybe you can give us a little demo. I have one laying right here, as a matter of fact, and I'll be, be glad to. Uh, yeah. One one thing I can even do this while, I'm, while we're talking, when I, when I try to talk to people and get them started, I always tell them, don't, don't start in right away trying to do a yell. Try to, when you want to, if you want to practice and you want to get good very, as quick as possible, and I, now I said it's all air control. So when you ha- when you when you run a yelp, regardless of what kind of call it is, it's a two note thing. It's a key. It's a key yelp. Key yelp. You know, you got the two, the high and then the low. 
So I, what I tell guys is you try to get that high note and hold it. Okay. And I, if you're going to, if you're kissing on it, you're not going to be able to do it. So you have to draw the air and get that first high note. Try to hold it for a few seconds. Okay. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just run it. And you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. So basically, you're telling them to to um, do a like an extended key for a key exactly. run. Right. A lot of people have even guys that are pretty good do a key key. I'm like, well, if you can you can do a key key, you just gotta you just gotta hold that first note. Don't let it pop into the yell. I'll just run it here and I'll show you what I'm talking about. I'll get that high note. I'll hold it. how I teach people to do the key key also because a lot of guys say, well, I can't do that. So, well, if you can yelp, you can learn to do the key key because you already got the first first note. You just got to learn to hold it. There's a little quick, but you see what I mean? I'm holding that first note, and that, and that helps you with your control because you have to have control to be able to hold that note. Right. What, what, I'm, what I'm noticing, you know, with what you just did and say if I was listening to somebody playing on a diaphragm, mm. and you, the, the notes between your high and your low on, on that call you were just playing, they're, they seem to be a little more crisper and precise than if you get a somebody on a diaphragm where you do the yelp or whatever it's more of a more of a drown out yeah yeah what you had going on there it was more crisp it was more you 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 if you if you know what i'm saying yeah and you can you know you can speed that up or slow it you know if i'm trying to sound like a gobbler i'm going to slow that down a little bit more but um I mean, you can do anything on these calls as you can do on any other call. It's just some things require a little more practice and something right. a little different used to. But do, I'll, I'll do. say, you know, I have I have every kind of turkey call known to man. You know, <laughs> and, 
you know, it's fun to get them out. It's fun to run a pot call and a box call and this and that. And, you know, a couple of minutes and you're kind of tired of it. I never get tired of messing with these yelpers. They're all a little different. You're always trying to get a little better. And, you know, I'd like to told somebody I'd pick a fountain pen up off the floor and take the guts out of it and make a turkey call out of it. You know, if I see one laying there, and a whole one has got any length to it, I'm going to try to make a turkey call out of it. So now, so now Tony, it, it sounds, you know, what we talked about, you know, the trumpet excelling in the softer or whatever stuff. I mean, do, do you use it to get a little aggressive and, can you can you do that on the can you do that on the call right now for us? Sure, sure. I'll do a little I'll do a little cutting and some aggressive yelping. So I don't know how the I don't know how's the sound coming across here. Pretty good. I mean, can yeah, you yeah, no, good? it sounds great. Okay. Pretty loud cutting. I don't know how it came across there, but you know, that's if I was trying to stir something up, that's what I'd be doing. Sure. And it and it may be the case that you're possibly too too close to the mic. We're hearing your lips smack a little bit, maybe. <laughs> well, I am smack for there. I was smacking a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying right. to make pretty hard cuts. You know, on the cut, I'm 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 nailing it pretty good. Yeah. So there might have been a little smacking going on there yeah <laughs> right whereas, whereas if we were five ten yards away we wouldn't even notice it <laughs> yeah probably uh, yeah and that's another thing worth mentioning and it's kind of true with all calls but you really want to hear how a call sounds uh take actually it's even good with these cell phones now set your cell phone down go out in the woods and you'll walk 20 yards 25 yards 30 yards away and call and then listen to yourself it sounds entirely different in the woods. Right. And you, you, get, you know, you don't have to even be that good. They sound very realistic. Right. You get you get the added added echoes and stuff from the environment blending in. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's very, very Yeah, that's what I'll do uh when I you know, I'll make some some mouth calls, some diaphragm calls that uh, you know, I kinda wanna try out to see which ones it is and I'm gonna you know, mainly be using in my little, my little call bag, I will go out and do that because it just, sometimes a call that you think, man, this, this one sounds good. And then you hear it on the playback and you're like, oh, yeah. it doesn't have, good. yeah, sometimes it doesn't have that, that tone you thought it did, you know? I know. I do it all the time. I think they sound good here in the house. My final test is to go out here in the driveway. I live on top one side of a big valley and i'll call out across the, to the other wooded hillside where it really rings out through there you can really get a good feel for what a call sounds like here yeah and sometimes okay. i'm a little surprised sometimes i'm i'm pleasantly happy and other times i'm a little bit disappointed i thought, Damn, I thought it sounded better than that you know? <laughs> <laughs> right it's like when i 
Yeah, that's a true test. When I when I'm tuning working on tuning the box calls and I'll be sitting inside here and I'll I'll be like, hey, that's starting to sound pretty good. And then I'll I'll take it outside and and I'll I'll run it and it's like the sound just gets swallowed up and it isn't even creating yeah. anything. But at the same time, you know, I mean that's that's to be expected. It's definitely gonna sound different when you get out in the open air where the sound can travel bounce off of different things. Right. And then, and I'll go back in and I'll take this, the same call and I'll work, keep working on it or whatever. And, and then I'll get back outside and then, you know, it's, it, you can hear it ring. It's like the difference between not tuned and tuned where it exactly. sounds fairly deep, decent, but there's, I guess it would maybe not be enough vibration or whatever to carry, you know, distance in the outdoor environment to fill up the outdoor environment or maybe something that's with it. But, but once I get it where it's close to being tuned, then, if I go outside, then then you know you can hear it, you know, shoot out there yeah. instead of just being right. all muffled and and like I'm calling in a closet or something. Well, that's another thing. If you guys are making calls and you're trying to tune them and everything, hey, don't don't try to don't try to make what somebody else wants. Try to make what makes you happy. In other words, if, if you hit it, you go, man, this was this was it. Don't even listen to what anybody else says. You know what I mean? You you make a that hen, that turkey you have in your ear, that's what you're trying to hit. And the, the best call makers, that's exactly how they are. They ain't worried. I mean, it's always nice to get someone's opinion and have them, especially when they tell you how great you are. But <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the truth. But I can't, yeah. that's why I always, sometimes, once in a while, guys will call and say, hey, I'm looking for you to this. And I said, look, I, I understand what you're saying, but I can't build a call to you, to your specs. I can only build to what I like. I know when I hit it. And I'm happy with it. I hope I hope you are, but everybody's different too, you know. Every these these type of calls are probably not as quite as critical as say a mouth call, but you know yourself if the the kind of mouth call Andre likes isn't gonna be the one Paul likes, maybe, because your mouths are you know, you're all different. Let's same way with these, everybody's lips are a little different. Some guys can't I play mine right dead in the center of my mouth. And some guys can't do that, just the way their lips are or how they're shaped or the nerves or whatever. They got to offset it a little bit. They got to play off to the side. And, it, and it, may, it may be the case, like with the mouth call, where, you know, they draw the air down the right side of their mouth, too. Do you think that might might come into play there? Yeah, maybe. And the shape of your palate and all that stuff, you know, and mouth calls just just that's why there's 900 different mouth calls out there, because everybody's a little different. Right. Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at the call that that you made for me, and like I said, it's a very you know beautiful call. How long does a how long does it take you to make a wingbone call? Everybody always asks me that. I I really couldn't give you an actual time because it's not like I sit down in the morning and I can make that call. And by the end of the evening, it's done. I go okay. I put eight hours in. You know, I got they're all. There's process, there's steps, you know, it's the cooking the bones down one day and then cleaning them the next day and putting them in the peroxide for a day. And so I got quite a few bones at all different stages at all times. Um, even the finish, that's, that's two days just for the finish. Yeah. But now right. I do four, four at a time, but I put two coats on them at 24 hours, one coat to dry. So. Yeah, yeah. That's that finish. Actually, something I've 
only been doing probably the last five or six years. And that's an epoxy finish. And I was afraid to, I was actually afraid to start using that. I knew guys had been using it. Some other guys used it. And I thought, well, that really protects the call and it has to add something to it. But, um, if you know, I don't know if you know the name Lee Bowles or not, but he was a good friend of mine. <laughs> Passed away here a couple years ago, but we were talking about it. He said, I tried that stuff one time. And he goes, I had a call. It sounded so good. He goes, I put that stuff on it. And he goes, I just threw it over the damn bank. It was so mad. You know, it sounded horrible. It must have sounded up. So then, I, so then I stayed away from it for another couple of years. And I thought, well, dang on, Lee, I'm going to try it. You know, I'm going to, because I know it's going to protect the threads and, and protect the call. People are always worried about boogering them up. I said, well, they won't get scraped up with that hard epoxy finish on it. So I made a call. And I thought, I'll just try one and see how it turns out. Well, to me, if anything, I think it made it sound better. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a hard resin. Now, a lot of guys use flex coat, the same thing you use on fishing rods. And that is a little bit softer. But this stuff I use, it's hard. And it's very hard. I think it added to the resonance of the call. I can see It certainly that. didn't hurt the call. Yeah, it certainly didn't hurt it. That's right. for sure. So from there on out, I thought, well, and then Lee started, and then that guy going, Lee started using it, and he likes it too. He liked it too. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so you're doing these little drawings uh, on the wing bones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of my, uh, not that I'm any kind of artist or anything, but I can draw that turkey up. It kind of became my, when I first started doing them many years ago, I kind of like had like a running turkey. It was like, you just leaning forward a little more like running from something. But then I kind of just backed it off to a, a walking turkey and uh, I can draw that turkey in my sleep. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I was just, I was just going to say that you probably drew that turkey so many times you could probably draw it in your sleep. <laughs> yep. I draw the same turkey. And it's, like I said, it's, it's kind of my trademark. So I put it on all my three bone calls. Yeah, I love it. And on my on my yell, on my cane yelpers, I I don't have the room to put a whole turkey on it. I probably could, but it's just a lot harder. So I, I just draw a wing feather on that, and that's that's the extent of my artistry. But uh, now, uh, what what's a what's a cane yelper? I don't think that's well, one that, I'm too familiar with. Well, that it's actually called a, a Jordan style. It was, it was named after the old, an old turkey hunter back in the 1800s named Charles Jordan. And they even have a call, co- you know, a, a, a category in the call competition, Jordan Yelpers. And of course I get in that, you know, I enter stuff in that every year, but uh, hmm. it's, it's basically the same as a wing bone, except the two big end pieces, the middle and the big end is made out of river cane. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like bamboo, but it's, it's perfectly round instead of having that flat spot on it like bamboo has. And you can only get it down South. Okay. I guess about as far North as it grows in some places in Virginia. But, uh, so I, I have to have guys cut that for me and ship it up. But, um, that, that they, they were just old Turkey hunters back in the day, you know, and they were looking for things to, you know, that's how all of the old Gibson started making boxes. You know, they, they were looking for something to hunt with. They yeah. weren't, necessarily trying to make calls for people per se you know they were making something they could hunt with and you know how they figured out things that worked i don't really know but well they knew about the wing bone so i guess it just kind of made sense to hey these two pieces of cane go together i'll just stick a a wing bone mouthpiece in it and 
you know, they have a little slightly different sound, but I, I, I like both. I use both of them interchangeably. Would you say that that calls kind of somewhat of a hybrid? Yeah, it was probably the next step to, you know, I can't, I don't know exactly when the, the, the order of things are, <laughs> but I guess that the cane yelper was, would have been the next step even before the trumpet, Yeah, you know, who knows when guys started messing around with this stuff, but I, I, that just brings me up a little point of interest here up down at Unicoi, uh, out, out like in the lobby, they always set up a few tables out there and, and these older gentlemen that, that are uh, historic call collectors, they bring their stuff in and they let everybody look at it. They let everybody run them. And these are calls that are worth a lot, a lot of money. And there's a fellow named Danny Ellis. He's a collector. And, and I knew about him and I knew what he had. I wanted to see it. I missed it last year, but he had an original Charles Jordan Yelper. And it's, as far as he knew, it was the only one in, in existence. And they, they referred to it as the Holy Grail of turkey calls. I wanted to go out and look at it. Well, he paid $50,000 for that call. Yeah. Hey. Yeah, can you imagine? But this and calls from the 1800s, right? Yeah, and it was from Charles Jordan. Yeah. Original Jordan. The only one they know. And he was offered $100,000 for it, and he didn't take it. Wow. <laughs> so here it is laying on the table. I go, wow, so that's it. That's the Jordan. He goes, yeah. I'm there looking at it, you know, and he goes, please, well, take a look at it. I go, you mean pick it up? He goes, yeah. He goes, run the damn thing. So I, I did. I got a video. My, I got to made a video of me running the thing. So I slobbered so, all over a $50,000 call. Oh. That was, that was, that was this year then, Tony? That was just, a, yeah, last week. All right. I, I'm pretty sure I, I, I seen a post online where he had, he had a couple of historic calls there with, with the Jordan Yelper oh, and there was one other one. Yeah, they had a bunch, they had a lot of stuff there. A lot of, a lot of history and all that old stuff. And those guys are just the nicest guy. I mean, they got calls there where God only knows how much and, Oh, if it was a box call, he'd yeah, pick it up and run it. You know, I mean, this is history here. That's why we're here. They, they had no issue with that whatsoever. I was afraid to even ask, to even touch it. No, run, it, run the damn thing. <laughs> break, break it, you buy it. Yeah, I would have been too afraid. I would have been, no, yeah. I'm good. I'm just I'm just going to look at it. <laughs> uh, but that, for, for me, there was no way, I, once he said that, that I wasn't going to run it. Yeah. I thought, boy, that's a dream come true. I made my weekend. Right. <laughs> for sure. And it ran good, too. Yeah. Yeah. So for a call that that's old, you said it sounded pretty good? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, time's not going to hurt that thing. Depending oh. on when it was made, it's almost, what, 150 years old or? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah, 200. I I, matter of fact, there's a. There's actually a clip on YouTube from last year, and that he's on there, that Dan, Danny Ellis, and he's talking. They're talking about that call. So it might, if you if you look it up, you can just put. I think I don't know if it's the Holy Grail or Turkey Calls, Unicoi or whatever. But the, they tell the whole history. There's two collectors on there talking about it. And he talks about how he how he uh, re, inquired about it, how he got it, purchased it, and everything. Very interesting. All that history stuff, pretty cool. Yeah, and then you look where, hey, you know, my my gosh, you know, heck, even even production calls anymore, 
not like they used to be, you know, they're all pretty darn good. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think it's cool to kind of read up, like you were saying, like on the history of all that stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting stuff. And, and I think it is good to know, like some of these calls, like you were saying, the calls that we're, we're using kind of like where that stuff originated from and, and the guys that kind of paved that way uh, for us today. Sure. sure. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a subject of great interest to a lot of people, you know, anything historic, but then of course we were at Turkey call show. So, you know, and there's a lot of super good builders there and everybody's interested in that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, Tony, uh, we're kind of coming up, uh, coming up on an hour here. Uh, so if somebody, uh, was looking to purchase a call from you, how would they go about that? Well, I, I, I keep a pretty low profile. I mean, <laughs> if they, if they get on, I don't go on Facebook at all. Yeah. I just don't on for it. So I don't I'm sure I miss a lot of stuff on there, but I just don't go on. I go on a site called Old Gobbler, and that's, of course, where where you ran into me on Old yep. Gobbler there. That's pretty much the only, and I generally check on that about every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I see any new things pop up or anything like that. And, of course, there's private message on there. A guy can private message me. Or, uh, you know, I can give my, I mean, I give my, I always give my landline because that's all hooked up to, recorder and everything and i i don't other than going to the, this particular show i never have calls made ahead of time like i don't do that mm-hmm. and i never really have the time ahead of everything anyhow begin to be honest with you but i work off a list and i take them in order you know whoever's next is next you know and i i do it that way so it, it generally takes a little time i i try to have a call within six months but sometimes it gets a little longer than that yeah Sometimes just to make, cause I don't want it to become a burden or anything. I enjoy it and I want to continue to enjoy it. So there's even been times I'll, I'll stop the list. I will yeah. take, I'm just, tell, you know, Hey, I sorry about it, but you know, call me up in six months and hopefully by then I'll start it back up. But yeah, that's good. That way I, that way I can keep, I'm fair to everybody and I keep saying, so, <laughs> cause I like right. to all that stuff, you know, and now I got, I got five grandkids now and they're just get the oldest one is just getting to where she's hunting now and she's killed a couple turkeys. Yeah, that's so. great. That's, that's, that's Pap's new life now is taking the grandkids out, getting them all right. <laughs> right. It, it, getting, getting back to, um, what was it? Getting back to, um, what we were just talking about. I wanted to, and I waited so long to ask you, I thought I forgot the question. <laughs> well, so I guess to kind of yeah. mention this again, so so if, if somebody wants to get a hold of you to purchase a oh. one of your calls, it would be through the Old Gobbler forum, and your uh, yeah. name on Old Gobbler is E Z, and that's just the letter E, and that's the letter Z. They can send you a private yeah. message on there. And then whether you're yeah. uh, taking on, uh, you know, new new projects at that moment or not, you'll go ahead and let them know. But that would be the the way for them to go about that, correct? Yes, sir. And I, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with giving out my landline number either. If you want that, I can give that. Like I said, I'm not. Well, we'll not, uh, we'll have I, you give that over the private message. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That works for me. Sometimes. <laughs> I, I just called I, and he said, "Yeah, I understand you're." The, he goes, "I want to get into wing bones." He goes, "I understand you're the guy, but he goes, 
man, I had a hard time finding your info. I said, well, it's not by design. I, yeah. I keep a low file. He said, yeah, I eventually found your home phone number. Somebody gave it to me, but yeah. I said, that worked out pretty good for me. That way I don't get swamped. I, I remembered what I was going to ask. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think, I, I think I um I seen he, you who you posted here recently. You make other than wingbone calls and in trumpets. Did, did I see you were making a scratch box too? No, that wasn't me. That, that, might that be, wasn't you. I got confused with somebody that, else then. That might be that might be Jason Roar. I don't know. He makes some scratch boxes. He he make he kind of took over for Lee before Lee died. He, he started making wingbones, but um, yeah, not me. I'm not getting it. The only thing I'm going to make next, I am going to get into trumpets, but I just haven't had time to really get out and start playing around with my lead and everything yet. But, but yeah, that's just a natural kind of progression for me is to start making a few trumpets and playing around with that. Yeah, sure. But yeah, the wing bones and, and the pain yelpers, that's, <laughs> that keeps me plenty busy. Awesome. All right, Tony. Well, uh, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I uh, thank you for you know coming on here and uh, having this uh, chat with us, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to uh, to using this wingbone uh, this coming spring. I think I'm going to sit down and really kind of try to figure it out now that I've kind of had a chat with you and you know yeah. yeah, kind of learn how call. to use these I, things. I like, I, I like to have turkey calling seminars over the phone. I help a, I help as much as I can on the phone, but <laughs> nice. I have no problem. I I have no. I always tell guys, hey, if you have any questions. Give me a holler. We'll get we'll get you started in the right direction. Awesome. Right. All right, Tony. Well, you have a good night, okay? Well, hey, it was fun, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. No thanks for thanks for joining us, Joe, Tony. We appreciate it. Sure, no, no problem. It was a lot of fun. All right. We'll see have you. Have a good turn. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. All right. See you guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Off the Roost Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. You could also follow us on Instagram at Off The Roost Calls and on TikTok at Off The Roost Pod. Stay tuned for future episodes where we'll do our best to keep you informed on the latest in turkey hunting. Try to remember the heritage that surrounds the elusive and sometimes mystical animal that is the wild turkey. Mm-hmm.